Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 56. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 56. I am joined in my kitchen today by two men who need no introduction. But like most times when people say they need no introduction, the next thing they do is go ahead and introduce them. So I'm going to do that now. With me uh, again here is Ed Butler, a.k.a. the Working Class Woodsman. How are we today, Ed? Very well. Very good. Awesome. And on the other side of the table, we're joined by Jeff Hatch, uh, Raven Wilderness School out of, uh, is it, where Massachusetts? Williamsburg, Massachusetts. Williamsburg, Massachusetts. Home to is that Williams College? Williams College is further out in the state, but not too far. No. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Western Mass. Though. Western Massachusetts. Yeah. Not far from Northampton, Massachusetts. Nice. We were just talking how rural that still is pretty country out there. It is. It's beautiful country, out there. Yeah. yeah. Once you get out a little ways, it's probably nice. more so than we are here. Really. Uh, very similar. Very similar to here. Yeah. yeah. We enjoy life. Uh, ironically, in the Information superhighway era, we still live on a dead-end dirt road, figuratively and literally. Literally. <laughs> literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're just going to uh, chat it up today and and see what the results are. So you caught your first fish through well, the ice of the... Officially. Yep. O- officially. Nice. Caught, officially caught, uh, it was a, probably a two-pound-ish smallmouth, um, caught it on a randy rod out on... An undisclosed location. <laughs> you should never disclose uh, it was, or, or give a fish. Yeah, it's funny because all the way, we walked quite a ways across the ice, but, you know, I, was, I felt a little overdressed. But as soon as I stopped moving and the wind picked up, it's like I was, like, reaching from whatever layer I had. Because it was actually pretty cold out on the ice. You were out in the middle of the broads, weren't you? And I was not. Is that frozen? No. No. Of course it is. <laughs> no, no. It was uh, a smaller lake. You can't fish on Lake Winnipesaukee until January. Just, you would just. I'm just I pulling your leg. I get you. Oh. I should know. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, so we're on the books. We've caught a fish. So. Excellent. Yeah. Did yeah, get shut no, out in eighteen? No. <laughs> What's the date today? It's got to be close. Uh, the 12th, 29th, 29th, Saturday, the 29th of December, as we record. So this. we're like in limbo between holidays. That's yeah. why everybody's so between. low key. It's like, yeah, who cares? We're in the holidays. <laughs> it's like we the still got like another three days of this. This is like the ninth of the twelve days of yeah. Christmas, and no one knows if there's an actual <laughs> holiday. Right. Yeah. Still which feels is, like it though. Which is what Tuesday. Tuesday is uh, Tuesday's New Year's Day. New Year's Day, right? Yeah. And then, then it really starts. Then it's over. Then it's on and again. Back to work. We got to yeah. buy new licenses. Credit card bills come in. Oh, it's yeah. going to be awful. <laughs> uh, so, um, Jeff, we've been internet friends for some time. Yep. Um, 
and it's nice to finally meet you face to face. Yeah, we've, you too, definitely. We've never actually met before, um, so yeah, pretty neat. Pretty neat that uh, mm -hmm. you know you sort of do your your outreach or something. But it's always interesting to meet people who have similar yeah. interests, and I think the internet has been a great for that. It definitely yeah. has been. Yeah, same way I've met Ed. You know, well, it was funny because I met Jeff at the uh, New England Bushcraft. Yeah, that was back in April. Yeah, and I met you know Malcolm. I met like a four, lot of people, four or five you know Hidden Woodsmen, Micah, mm -hmm. Andy Wilderness, people that I'd talked to on the mm -hmm. uh, or communicated with on Instagram for a long time and YouTube, but uh, finally it's like you put a personality to the yeah, faces. Yeah. yeah, it's always a little bit different, but you know it's kinda, always nice to meet that person. But it's kind of what I expect. No one surprised me. You know, <laughs> I, I got what I expected. It was nice. fun. It was a great time. Yeah. yeah, that's my. I don't really do New Year's resolutions. But uh, my plan for 2019 is to get out of my cave, so to speak, and actually go out and, and talk to real people in the real world, yeah. uh, which I don't do as much of. And I always enjoy it when I do, right? It's always nice to it like... It is nice. Yeah, I enjoy meeting people and talking to people that I you know, don't know or never met or just you know, know from online or something like yeah. that. And you think everybody there had the same interest. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. was carrying a, you know, a, a haversack or a pack and a knife and talking about... Uh, Making fire and all that other stuff. Yeah, all the fun Camping stuff. Out. This year should be good as well. It's going to be in May this year, I believe. A little later. Different, uh, different venue as well. Okay. Different venue, huh? Different venue. It's also, I believe, don't um, quote me on this, but I believe it's going to be two days as well. It's going to be a Saturday nice. or Sunday. Nice. That'd be so cool. It should be good. In nice. May, I believe. They so. did really good for their first one. That was the first one. First one ever. Yeah. yeah. They did well, I thought. I mean, there was no, there was no like. Yeah, <laughs> Marcus did a good job. That's a lot to pull together, you know, for an event like that. Yep. So he's into it and all that, and he's working hard to get this year's to uh, be, you know, a two-day event, which would be nice, um, and a better location. That location wasn't bad, but it'd be better if it was, I think, more woodsy. It was more pretty, of a grass, like a field or something like that would be nice. So yeah, he's looking was, for that. It was a, a farm. Yep. It was like being in the middle of a field all day. It wasn't a bad day, but if it was That was like, like a racetrack, almost. It was, it was a, dirt, like a dirt bike track. Yeah, so there's a lot of gravel and stuff. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't very bushcrafty. No, but, but you're right. it was all right, though. Well, it was fine. It's probably hard to find the perfect venue. It is. It takes time. This is the first year, and every yeah. year it'll get better, hopefully. And, and parking, too, event. is something you got to consider. Yeah, the definitely a lot of cars. Park. Everybody has the idea that the New England is very tiny, but I can promise mm. you the reason I was unable to attend last year and probably not this year, Northern Maine's a long way from, sure like, is. Central and Southern <laughs> New England. Like, the I don't know what it takes. It probably t at least eight hours of driving to you get there. You were eight mm -hmm. hours from... Yeah, where that was. Right. Yeah, absolutely. it was basically near my house. I was, I was, you know, forty-five minutes from that location yep. where the event was. So we likely won't be there again this year. But at mm -hmm. some point in time, I would like to. Yeah, it'd be nice if you could go at some like point. Like to attend. Mm -hmm. If only to just be asked to never come back. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that'll happen. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great event. Uh, yep. Um, other events, uh, 2019, sort of the here's the, the coming. Coming events, right? I know. Did I see that you're going to head west to Alberta to the Global Yeah, that Global Symposium? Symposium is the middle of June. So um, my plan is to be out there for that. That's a week long. It's five days. I think it's like the 10th through the 14th or something like that. Yeah. I had so planned to go. Like a, yeah. It looks awesome. And it, what a Lars great... Lars going to be there. It's going to be a lot of good people that are going to be there. Great group of people. Plan to go, but just yeah. can't get away in the Paul middle Carly's of our... going to be there. Our spring semester. Uh, so won't be able to attend, but we'll yeah. be super envious of you out there yeah, hanging out with those guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so if you're out there in podcast land, that's an event that you would like... That's an event you want to attend, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the best way is... Uh, you're, you're probably your best contact is Instagram. 
for that. They're yeah. on Instagram. They just recently started an account, I think. They have a website, too. Um, I don't know what the website is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, bushcraftsymposium.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. It's a pretty neat. It'll be a pretty neat event. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, go out and hang out with Moores for the week. Yeah, he's going to be there. It's called, it's called the uh, Global Bushcraft Symposium is what the full name of it is. Oh, nice. um, yeah, Moore's is going to be there. Obviously, it's Canada, so he has to be there for that. Well, I think the <laughs> event, like the, those guys decided to put it on as sort of to honor yeah. Moore's and as a you know a secondary bring in yeah. awesome people from all over the globe. Yeah, um, it's going to be a great event. It should be. That should be awesome. Yeah, I'll be there with Fiala Raven uh, from the area. Awesome. So you run the Raven Wilderness School, yep. and you guys run courses mostly in Western Mass? They're all pretty much in West. They are in Western Mass. Yeah, okay. All the classes are in there. At my school, sometimes in the summertime, we go out to the Connecticut River, some of the islands out there, and have the classes out there in the summer. But mainly it's right there in Williamsburg, Mass. That's awesome. And yeah. your other sort of gig, I mean, you have a regular job, but I your did. other gig is you are a ambassador for Fial Raven North America. Yep. Yep, I am. I do uh, events throughout New England. Uh, right now, they're in Burlington, Vermont. There's three stores in Boston and two stores in New York City. So I travel around to the different stores, do different types of events. Um, and this summer, we're talking about going out west and visiting all the stores out there. There's a lot of stores out west. Um, and that would be like the Albany, New York Earth, uh, California, out to California, Colorado. I'm pretty ignorant about geography, so I know there's like <laughs> northern New England, and then you get to like Albany, New York, and then there's like another state. It keeps in California. going past that. Yeah. Really? It keeps going much further. I didn't. Uh... <laughs> I'm surprised. Do they have a store in Asheville, North Carolina? No, they have no southern stores because it's not a southern company. They're not going to sell Parkers and stuff like that. You might be surprised. They might have a small part of a store, another store, that yeah. they carry some Fiala gotcha. Raven. Gotcha. I've seen that. Gotcha. They don't have a store down there, though. Because I, I know whenever I'm in Asheville, it's that particular. I see everybody. I'm just like, wow, this is definitely a Fiala Raven crowd. You know, yeah. Just the way they love them. Either that they order it. They can always order it online. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like that. But as far yeah. as the, their stores, they don't have anything south of... Because uh, they want to emphasize... New York, maybe. Yeah. They might have one in D.C. I'm not sure, though. But they just don't want to uh, open stores down south because I don't think it's going to sell that well. Because it's, it's a northern company. All their stuff is warm Arctic. weather gear, mainly. Arctic. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, it's really popular stuff, in the Northeast. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is. Yeah. It's really good stuff. They have tents, sleeping bags. Oh, yeah. It's not just the clothing. Backpacks, yep. it's all good stuff. It's rugged stuff. Yep. Like they're, backpacks, they're out of Sweden? They're out of Sweden, yeah. That's where they're from. Company started in 1960. I actually bought my wife a little handbag from Fjall Raven this year. I saw it and I put it up. I picked it up like three times. It's like, I'm just, she'll like it. <laughs> she does. It's, a, it's yeah. like a little, like, wax, the wax canvas material stuff yeah just a small bag yep the g1000 fabric yeah. which is waxable as well it's basically yeah. a canvas material it's pretty durable their packs are made out of that too mm -hmm. they're not your uh normal pack that's made out of like ripstop that will get shredded in the woods they're right. made out of this canvas material kind of like you know a frost river bag but not quite as heavy duty as that but they're yeah. waxable the clothing is waxable as well to make it water resistant not waterproof Nice. So it's good. It's something that helps out, you know. It's not, you know. No, it's good stuff. Yeah, it is. How did you, if you don't mind me asking, how did you get hooked up with that? I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of, if, uh, of our 11 listeners out there, I'm sure one, a young person, would be very interested in following similar footsteps and working with brands online. And I'm just curious if you have any advice for, for you know, a young, a young guy or gal who's, say, interested in helping to promote certain brands. Mm-hmm. Well, how it happened for me, I wasn't really looking for it. Um, I've just been on Instagram for a long time doing the things that I do and advertising my school. 
So they came to me, the manager of Fiat Raving in Burlington, Vermont, called me and asked if I wanted to do an event. This is a couple of years ago at the store. So that's how it actually started, is doing that one event there a couple of years ago. And from there, Boston stores, the New York City stores asked me to do events. And then I got more known in the company um, from doing this that they wanted me to do more and more with them. So it basically started with that one store. As far as starting something like this, you know, I don't really know <laughs> exactly. It's just do what you do and do what you love. And Well, that's good advice, you know, because you, you weren't trying. No, I wasn't you trying for it, yeah. Own. You were just doing your thing and someone caught on, which I think is yeah. something people, you need to kind of think about, you know, like over trying to overachieve all the time doesn't necessarily. Yeah. And I use this stuff anyways. I was using their products before I was asked to do the first mm -hmm. event. I was using their packs and their, you know, all their clothing and stuff, so... It worked well for me, and I thought it would be a good event to do to promote my school. So the first event was great. Out there in, uh, at the store in Burlington, you can go right on the street to there, Church Street. It's wide open. There's no cars. So you can set up whatever you want, tents yep. out there and nice. tables. So it's, it's a really good event, and uh, that went well, and it's been going great since then. That's super cool. Yeah, it's uh, good. And I love, I love stories like that where it's like, you know, someone authentic. You're not a Kardashian, right? You weren't like, <laughs> wow. Taking pictures, <laughs> taking pictures. I'm working towards it. Yeah, but, but my point being, like, you were authentically engaged in doing that thing, and yeah. they found you. And I, I yeah. think stories like that are, like, those are the success stories yeah. in my mind, as opposed to, like, you know, I, I think we'd be uh, not being honest if we didn't say that there are people out there that only do yep. certain things just for the photo, right? They do, and they take a lot of photos uh, from other people. I've had that happen a lot for me. People will take my photos, mm -hmm. post them on their Instagram to try to make their Instagram more popular and just not give me any credit or anything like that. Yeah. But somebody sees that because everybody on there pretty much knows me and they'll report it to me or somebody else. And But they'll do that stuff and they'll try to raise their popularity and then get brand, try to get ambassadorships and stuff like that. But it's just... It is funny whatever, that, you know, the whole social media works. The it's a double-edged sword, yeah. <laughs> for sure, yeah. you know. It is disheartening, it is. though, whenever you – we've been plagiarized. Yeah. I think every every yeah. type of media that we've generated has been plagiarized, and it's always yeah. depressing. But I always think that it's so short-sighted of the people that do the stealing. It because is. it's like there's no way that yeah. people aren't going to know. Like, know. It just it's a small community. It, and it's, it gets back to you so quickly. Like. Yeah, within, the, within hours, I know that photo was stolen and you use some rounds as advertising for another person's you know, Instagram or something yeah. like that. And, the, and they tell me and I say something, you know. Well, that's the advantage of having a feed like mine. Nobody wants it. <laughs> so no one's ever going to steal it. <laughs> so that's one advantage I have over I used to get people. upset about it, but I don't really care anymore. It's just I have other things to worry about. <laughs> My dream is to plagiarize. <laughs> really? Yes. I can oh, make that happen. I want someone to plagiarize me. Yeah. They never. They always take the stuff, though, like the good photos. Like, come take the bills. Like, steal the bills out of my mailbox. You know, like, take the stuff I don't want. But, yeah, I know. But, yeah, it's funny like that how that happens. But, but yeah. I think that's an awesome uh, – that's an awesome origin story. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, it's good. I enjoy doing it. It's a great company, and they're uh, they're fun to work with, and they're also very and uh, responsible the environment and stuff like that, and the products that they use. Like they're down, they own the whole farm, all the geese and everything like that. So they know exactly where the down's coming from. They're yeah. actually geese that are used for meat, but the down they use for their sleeping bags and jackets and stuff. So they do it responsibly. They're not just killed just for their down. Yeah. You know? Yep. Other things too with their products, or you know. Yeah. No, they've got a good. I think they have a good. From what I am, have read or understand, they've got a good reputation environmentally. They do. Compared to some. Yeah. Some other brands. The chemicals and stuff they use. Some of their tents you can't sell in certain states in the U.S. because they're not using certain fire retardants. You know, 
that are chemically, you know, harmful, but, you know, they don't do that. So some states you can't buy their tents. Gotcha. Because of that. We had a guy a few years ago who had a canvas tent. Had to be loom state, which means no nothing no chemicals added right mm-hmm. and and i'm a big believer in that but yeah. oh man he left it out once and it got wet and then it got moldy right away and was it, he able to fix it or clean it in the long term yeah but it mm. was uh anyway the there are definite downsides there are reasons why they like to use some of those horrible chemicals mm-hmm. i would rather not live yeah, you know in too. a little box made out of horrible chemicals for any length yeah. of time well mm-hmm. you know people don't realize it but like you as far as I know, you can't manufacture mosquito netting in the United States. I have no idea. Because it's environmentally not okay. Huh. Um, I don't know the particulars, but um, was it was it mosquito netting? And you think of how much mosquito netting you see. Mm-hmm. And you now I feel a little bit guilty. It's like, wow, what kind of impact did that have? I don't know the particulars. I'm sure someone could probably do the research. But it's something about the process of making it that's not very environmentally. It's like chrome plating. It looks cool, but it's like, eh, it's really not good for the rivers and streams. Are you, like, if it's all up in my grill here? Is that... <laughs> no, you know. I, didn't, I, I don't know. You catch me every time. I point out your flaws. But anyway, yeah. You got the easiest job in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's cool. Do you have any uh, any events coming up with um, Fjall Raven? I do, yep. My next event is in New York City. It's going to be at the Mott Street location. Um, and that is going to be uh, about fika. And fika is a Swedish term for enjoying coffee together with friends or by yourself out in the woods or at home or at a coffee shop. And it's something that they're really into doing. Um, so that's what this is going to be about. We're going to be uh, talking about brewing coffee outdoors and how we do it. Nice. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. They're going to have some treats and stuff there. So that's going to be January 12th. I forget the times, but it's going to be January 12th in New York City. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend who was a, worked as a guide and horse packer in Montana for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And myself as a main guide for a number of years. And we always, whenever we get together, it's always the coffee cook-off of main guide coffee <laughs> versus Montana guide coffee. That's everywhere. Yeah, the coffee is the biggest thing out in the woods. It's for, huge. No matter where in the world you are. Instagram it's exists involved. because of coffee in the woods. <laughs> think about it. That's how it started. <laughs> If you think about it, that's what got you out in the, that. Yeah. Um, so many people just, that's the whole, the raison d'etre of a day. is like, let's go make some coffee in the woods. Exactly. But it's the awesome. Swedish have it's a word awesome. for it. We don't really have a word for it. They have a word for it. They've been using for a long Fika. time. F-I-K-I. Fika. Like Tika. Kind of. Fika. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's I did not know that. Yeah. So that's what this event's going to be about. It should be fun. Yeah. Coffee's fun, so this will be good. Yeah, and no one, yeah. I mean, the beauty of serving coffee in an event like that, no one's falling asleep on you. No, why do wait? If you're force-feeding them caffeine, they're going to be awake the whole time. Yeah, and hopefully they'll be shopping as well, you know, that's the whole idea, which promote their brand and promote my school as well. Now, I know you don't want to divulge any of your trade secrets, but you make a specific coffee called Dynamite. Oh, Black Dynamite, yes. Black Dynamite. I tried to replicate that. Really? feel horribly. I don't think I, because I don't use sugar. There's no sugar in black dynamite. No. So black dynamite is, is a type of coffee we make on expeditions. Yeah. Um, like the longer the expedition, the more we tend to use it. And essentially we will cold brew coffee overnight with river water and mm. then just bring it to a boil in the morning. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we get a more robust uh, flavor with fewer grounds. So, for example, if we're on like mm-hmm. a four-week trip and I've had, I've had, uh, I've had trips where we're like, oh, we only got 50 miles to go. Last day, oh, we're out of coffee. And everybody's like, let's paddle like hell. Let's get out of here. <laughs> 
but yeah, so you soak the uh, you soak the coffee grounds in river water overnight, and then you bring it to a boil in the mo- in the mm. morning. So you so you get the the big extraction of yeah. the cold brew with the uh, sanitization of bringing it to a boil mm-hmm. in the morning. And we just you know you to get a good solid flavor, you get more flavor from fewer grounds. So yeah. if you're starting to run low, it's a good way to economize on the grounds. Well, the whole I love the cold brew coffee thing. That that's good. stuff is phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, what was the stuff you made? I thought you made something last spring. We were pretty jacked up. <laughs> the Cuban coffee. The Cuban coffee. The Cuban coffee Strong. definitely has sugar. And that uh, was espresso and sugar. Holy moly. Yeah. I do sugar. I'm the cream and sugar person. See, I don't, I don't use sugar. And that was like the first sugar I've had in two years. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> it was a good coffee. And three days later when you came to. <laughs> the ants in the middle of the field. But that was Cuban coffee. Okay. Cuban coffee. <laughs> Got to get that recipe. So with that, it's uh, what is that? That is like we uh, espresso. Yes. And then we mix in the uh, white sugar. Not not no fancy sugar. They like mm-hmm. the they like the non fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I first had that from a guy who claimed he was of Cuban heritage. And I think in, I think we were in South Florida. Um, but anyway, he's like, oh, you know, try this, man. It'll it'll sort you out. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And I had some. And six days later, <laughs> I found myself oh, on a raft in the middle of the Atlantic. It little cranky. <laughs> Floating around on an inner tube. I didn't yeah. know where my pants were, but I had one boot on still. So that's Fika as well. You know, that's exactly. just another part yeah. of it. You know? yeah, There's exactly. so dimensions to it. There's yeah. you know, many. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely put a link to the event in the show cool. notes. Um, and if you're in that area, you should definitely go check this out because I'm, like you say, there's nothing like coming together over coffee. Yeah. And it builds friendships quickly yeah. and yeah. tastes good. And, and it definitely, I'm of the belief that um, I've been to two fancy coffee places in my life. Uh, okay, I was thrown out of two fancy coffee places <laughs> in my life. But it always tastes better when you're outdoors. It does. It absolutely it, does. Yeah, it's yep. nice. It's I can remember when we, f- we first got into like doing mountaineering, we'd, everyone had a French press. Yeah. And I didn't. And I was like, I'd get up there and everybody's like making coffee. I'm like, so I went out and bought a French press. And that just, I don't know, it was the best coffee I ever had. That's how I make so, mine at home. French press. I don't have a coffee maker. But it is better outside. It is. Something about it. It just tastes better with the woods. It's like, you know, those backpacker meals. Have you ever eaten those? Mm-hmm. You know, the bag, you just pour the hot water in. If you eat those at home, they don't taste very good. <laughs> but when you're out in the woods in the cold, they taste actually taste better. Well, there's that no sauce-like true. hunger to make any food yeah, taste better. I guess it's, I guess, I guess, but it's, uh, they taste, everything's better outside. But I've had people coffee. compliment my cooking on trips who would probably not even let it within six feet of their mouth if we were at home. <laughs> just for the record, I've <laughs> never complimented you on your cooking. No. Yeah, okay. I mean, my fashion sense, yes. <laughs> yeah. But cooking, no. Tim has, yeah, your wardrobe. We won't get into that, though. <laughs> a gym bag. <laughs> socks and T-shirts. <laughs> I, I, I do purchase a lot of socks and T-shirts. You have a lot of socks. Yeah. Uh, Dry feet are good. Yeah. It's cheaper to throw them away than wash them. It, it, yeah. It's getting there. Yeah, if you can get really 10 good. pairs of socks for 5 bucks, laundry's expensive. It is. So, anyway. Uh yeah, so we got that going for us. Have you found, Jeff, that the uh, as a result of doing the events with, with Fjall Raven that you've seen an uptick in interest in your school? I have, yeah, definitely. I meet uh, people at these events, and they're interested in classes, and obviously not all of them will take a class, but I get a few of them that come out and take classes. Um, also, I've noticed on my website, too, I get a lot more hits on my website because I advertise my website with business cards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I can track how much, you know, traction I'm getting from events and stuff that way. But I it definitely, 
definitely get some classes from it. I also see students at some of these events that I've been doing it for a couple of years. They took a class, you know, like at the, my last event in New York. Uh, there was a guy that was there. He took a class, you know, three months ago, and he was there, you know, came to see me at the event and like that. I wanted to talk about axes because he was wanted to buy one at that time. That was his time to buy an axe. So it's cool to see students that have taken classes at some of the events. And I've met a lot of cool people, too, not just students, a lot of cool people. Nice. That's through awesome. these events that live in surrounding areas of Vermont or Boston or New York City. That's great because it's right yeah. in your, you know, you're just a hop, skip, and a jump up the road from New York. So it's kind of right yeah. in your wheelhouse, and that's that's fantastic. I'm right in the middle between, you know, New York City and Burlington, Vermont. It's three hours in each direction. So that's not kind bad. of central between that, those places. Yeah. Boston, too. Boston's like two hours. Um, what's t- like a typical, you say classes, what's typical of like what you do or whatever as far as like I want to call, I want to, I want to book a class with you. And you have like different entry. Levels. I have about six classes, I think, right now. And uh, three of them are... Just so your basic wilderness skills classes. One's a beginner class. That's a mm-hmm. one-day class. Next one's going to be an intermediate class, which is two days. So that's an overnight. Um, we get more involved, obviously, in two days with things because you have more time. Mm-hmm. And after that, there's another two-day class. It's an advanced class, wilderness skills class. So basically, each one just works on the next one. So a student will start with the basic class, mm-hmm. take that for one day, get some basic skills, come back for an intermediate class, and further those skills from there, plus learn a few new things. And the last class would be the advanced class. So I have those three. And then from there, I have a couple other classes that I mix around, depending on the season and stuff like that. Um, I have a winter uh, wilderness skills class this winter. Um, I have a wood carving class, wood carving. And then I have another class. Oh, I have a minimal kit class coming up this winter as well, mm-hmm. which you only can bring about eight things with you. And that's always fun, too, because it's a good challenge to go out with just very few things. What you really need. And see what you can make from there. And we'll have different projects of things that we make with the tools that we bring. So those are the six classes that I have right now. I don't have a lot of classes. It's Mm -hmm. a pretty small school. And uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. I've had it for, this is my third winter, I think, that I've been doing this. Um, It's not full-time right now, but eventually maybe it will be. Mm -hmm. But it's good. It's, It's really good. I enjoy teaching the classes and I enjoy, you know, working with the students and having students come back and take another class. And I also enjoy going to other schools myself, too. There's a lot of good schools <coughs> in this area. The Roots School is in Vermont. Uh, that's a great primitive skills school. So yeah, I've never been there, but we have had... Uh, great people. Brad and Sarah are really good I've people. Yeah. yeah, I've been up there a few times. I tried to interview them the last time I was over in Vermont, but I think there was there was like a flu going around no. or something. They were all knocked out. They're really it. nice people. Yeah, really nice. They're in... Um, where are they? In? Near Bradford, Vermont. Exit 16 and 91. Huh. They're up in that area. It's a great well, school. There's definitely a, a trend of people that want to get closer, you know, back into the wilderness yeah. and start to do things more, you know, from a primitive standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think the, the trick is going from the, you know, the EMP back to the basics is sometimes. Yeah, everything's getting so high tech, people are looking to get back a little bit. Right, uh, yeah. It's getting so crazy with video games and technology and email and everyone's so busy and all the crazy things going on in the world and all that, people are looking for skills that are just basic skills to take care of themselves because they feel like, yeah. what are they going to do if they're out in the woods or if they get lost or something like that, you know? And it is an art form. Yeah. Know? It is passive. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's positive. I mean, it just once you're out, you know, you get out in the woods for a day or two and it's just like things just kind of mm-hmm. dissolve behind you. And, yeah, people are looking for that, you know? Yeah. Whether it's you really want to learn survival skills or you just want to be out in the woods enjoying yourself. Either way. It can be either or, depending on what you want it to be, you know? Yeah, definitely. To whatever level. And just, I think, yeah. the, the, the underlying theme is just, like, the 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 comfort that comes yeah. psychologically when we can just turn stuff off yeah. and step away yeah. and, you know, interact with elemental forces. 
like, you know, fire is an elemental force. It's yeah. something that's wholly different than mm -hmm. staring at my phone and looking at a picture of a fire or a video of a fire, right? Like, yes. it has to be experienced. And I think, yeah. especially with young people, I think we're all of a similar, the three mm -hmm. of us are of a similar age. And I can I can very well recall life before internet, you know my but but young oh, people man. these days yeah. don't have don't that experience. That. So yeah. to try to, you know, it's it's a fine line between that cranky old guy who's ah oh, you what? kids you know get off my lawn versus you know there was a whole yeah well, I was a teenager when the VCR was the latest greatest thing. You know, remember the VC, VHS cassettes? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was like, I was driving when those things were like hitting, <laughs> hitting the stream. Like, it was like the most, it was the, the most amazing thing. You could now watch a movie in your house. Yeah. yeah you that was unheard of. You, you didn't have to go all the way to town. Or to a drive-in or to a theater. Yeah. So. Yeah. We went down to the video store, rented a tape. I think a VCR was, what, about 1500 bucks. <laughs> the first it. ones. Yeah. They, they were, yeah. They, they had, had beta as well back then. It was VHS and beta. And beta, beta yeah, died had, out. We had beta a little bit around here, but a few people did. Um, but. But the VHS was, I, I can remember going into people's houses, like, and they'd have like a hundred movies in their book. So their books got thrown away and then they had VHS, VHS, uh, it just, and that didn't seem that long ago. No. But, but which I it guess is. was probably 40 years ago now. Side note, my <laughs> college roommate had always had a pretty good sense of humor. So in like the early nineties, you know, DVDs were on the scene. His favorite thing to do was to go to the the like the blockbuster video, mm -hmm. tell them that he had been in the Peace Corps in Sub-Saharan Africa for nine years and demanding to know where all the beta section was of tapes, which had gone away <laughs> ten <laughs> years prior. So yeah. that was always fun. Yeah. Um, what was the the video disc too? That was the other thing. Yeah, yeah the, I remember those for a while. But... Laser disc or something. Yeah, and you think about it now, you just download a movie on your phone. It's like nobody. Yep. It's like everything is just too quick, too fast. But it's like as we get more and more savvy with all the technology, there's more moving parts in the system and more likelihood that it can break. Well, you just don't see the parts moving. Right. That's the problem. It's hidden from you. You know, it's not like the old farm tractor. You had to get the tractor going to plow your field. You don't see that anymore. You just someone else is it's someone else is doing yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. I guess everything's I'm, getting too easy. I'm speaking like figuratively in that the more moving pieces there are, the easier life becomes for us. It, you're one snowstorm away from all that stuff stopping yeah. to work. And that's the reason why I think it's awesome that you Doesn't get people much. to come out and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole, yes, there is the huge culture online of you can learn stuff on YouTube and YouTube that, yeah. or whatever. Well, uh, but it's, I will make the case that that's information mm -hmm. and that's a different animal than education. And when you mm -hmm. go and take a course, like if I were to come to your school and mm -hmm. take a course, Education is where you're invested in the student, the student's invested in the instructor, and they yeah. both have an outcome they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Whereas information is kind of sitting back passively watching some guy on the other side of the world like, mm. here's how I shoot a dingo, mate, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, and it's just different. So I think that yep. the, the future for education is hugely bright because people don't necessarily get what they're looking for when they just go and consume information online. you only can get so much too and i have students that have come out to my classes who say you know i've been watching youtube you know videos on this and that you know and i've learned a little bit but now it's time for me to get out in the woods and actually you know apply this and see what i really know and what i need to learn um because it only takes you so far you know because you can watch these videos you can practice yeah. stuff but it's not the same as going out and being with somebody right there in front of you and doing a bow drill fire you know definitely and harvesting the materials all from the land and getting that fire by the end of the day hopefully you have a coal you know it's a lot different just looking at it on youtube because they don't usually go through everything maybe some of the videos do but still it's a lot different actually being well there most in the people woods edit doing it 
it took three days to get this fire going, but it's a, it's a six-minute video. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it took them three it, days to actually make the fire. But it gets people motivated, I think, sometimes in some yeah. circumstances. It gets, to, to think, it gets them gets thinking them motivated to learn yeah. this skill. Okay, now yeah. I've watched these videos. I feel like mm-hmm. I want to do this. I practice a little bit. I don't know what I'm doing. It hasn't worked for me. I'm going to take a class you yeah. know, and take the next step. But it was like maybe YouTube that got them pointed in that direction. But yeah, whatever. Sometimes whatever. it is. Yeah. I'll make the claim that if Lewis and Clark were leaving St. Louis now... It would be a two-minute video their whole couple of years out. There'd be like the first 30 seconds would be them pulling away from the dock, everybody waving. Yeah. There'd be like a 15-second a, a montage of them like sucking it up, going through the mountains when things are really hard. And then the end of the video is them showing out the Pacific and high-fiving each other. Yeah. Right? But two minutes if, later. If we've ever seen, you know, if you, if you understand like yeah. all the trials and tribulations, that I think that's what, mm-hmm. when you said people have the edit, I think that's what's kind of glossed over is that the, yeah. you know, the, the, the journey – the challenges of the journey are sort of what is glossed over. Yeah, yeah. And there's kind of a metaphor there a little bit. Um, I don't know what it is, but there is one. Right? <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But it's kind of funny. You were talking uh, about the, not seeing the, the, the machine or whatever. And I always had an analogy for that, like in, when, in mountain climbing, when you see people rock climbing and they're going up the, sh- the sheer cliff and they're putting all these different pieces of protection in, everybody says, wow, that looks really dangerous. But then you'll see them rappelling. And say, oh well, it's just repelling. That's safe. But what, re- I've done both. Yeah, I used well, to be realist- a nice climber. Yeah, realistic. Okay, yeah. So yeah. you you get it. But realistically, you know that repelling is the most dangerous. Much part day of, more dangerous of the trip because I've told know. Jessica stories about repelling down and be- because having to go to the bathroom real quick when I got to the bottom because I was so scared. Well, of because down. It, it all comes down to that one piece of protection. Usually, yeah, I was a V thread through the ice with a piece of cord. That's Maybe, how you yeah. got down. You know that yeah. one piece, and if that pulled through, yep. You're down the bottom quick, but, but people think, and it's kind of an analogy, like you know the when you can when you see all the different pieces of protection in place, if one goes, the other one's going to save you. Whereas mm. now we're, a lot of people are, are in repel mode, and they just think they're safe. Kind of a they think they're that. safe, but but there are still lots one, of like pieces. You say, when it breaks, it's it's over. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of. Does that make sense? Totally. I I said that right, but it's kind of an analogy. That was, uh, oh, you just reminded me of something about mountain climbing. I was watching, I think it was the Peanuts Christmas with my kids, Charlie Brown, and one of the characters is explaining to the other character why they lashed themselves together in the high alpine country, and it was, the character said, so that if one falls, they all fall. This is a couple Interesting. Different. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true, but... I've never tried that technique. Classic, uh, yeah. yeah. I forgot you ice climbed. That's right. Too. Yeah, yeah, I did for a while, yeah, for yeah. one or more years. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it was it. fun. I'm not looking to do it anymore. Yeah, it's it's super yeah. dangerous. It's adrenaline rush, but it's uh, I don't know. I just don't do it anymore now. No, it's, it's <laughs> I've other or- things I'd rather do. It's an ordeal. Yeah, it's an ordeal. I'd rather canoe down a river. It's a lot safer. Well, it can be, but well, ice we, climbing is dangerous. I don't think it's, it's about being dangerous. safer. It's just the ordeal. That, you know, it's everything. It's more relaxing. Yeah. Statistically speaking, the most dangerous thing we do when we recreate is drive to the trailhead, right? Like yeah. cars are inherently dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, statistically, I, I read something. This person was, uh, they were big into bicycling and they were angry about all the, you know, you can't go biking without a helmet. And their take was that statistically cars are more dangerous than bikes. So until people start wearing helmets inside of cars, mm. <laughs> you know, take your advice and shove it. So, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. You know, we all have our... We all have our little thing yeah. with bones to pick about when people try to regulate what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but we talk a lot about uh, on our programs the idea of uh, actual 
danger versus perceived danger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea of on a roller coaster, everybody screams because it feels like you're going to die. But statistically, you're super, super safe. Mm -hmm. And just the idea of, yeah, ice climbing has a lot of uh, perceived danger and actual danger. Inherent. Inherent. Is that what I said? Well, no. I don't know what I meant. Uh, no, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> but my point about canoeing is we yeah. always have to make the point like, hey, if you flip a boat and you get pinned between that boat and a rock, like mm-hmm. you're going to die. Mm-hmm. We can't turn the river off. There's there's you know yeah. very but, little perceived danger often, but the actual danger mm-hmm. is, is immense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's a good, you know, with a lot of, I mean, there are certain things you can do as an instructor, as a guide. How do you take a inherently dangerous situation and make it safe for your students, your clients, mm-hmm. whoever. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's just certain things that you can't make safe. And yeah. especially in 2018, you know, giant four page legal releases and all this stuff, like try to go whitewater rafting or something mm-hmm. without signing your life away. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that, um, well, you have to tell them you expect to die in order to get in the raft. I, I tell them I, I not only expect to die, I plan to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, objective hazard was what I was trying to There's a lot of objective hazards in ice climbing that you have no control over. Right. Falling ice. Uh, yeah, the ice changes that, throughout the day, too. That you can't, right, waterfalls, it, it warms up hydraulics. And I've been, yeah. been on some climbs where I was, you know, <coughs> climbing up out for the lead guy. When the guy lead guy put the screw in, it was nice and solid. By the time I got up to it a couple hours later, it pulls right out. Because <laughs> yeah. the sun is shining on it, heats it up, and just pulls right out. It seemed like with... Uh, uh, when you get into the more aggressive river rivers, I mean, there are just objective hazards you don't have any control over. Right. To some, to some extent. And similarly, those will change based on water level, True. based on season. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. cold, I mean, I am a sea kayak guide, and the huge hazard on the coast of Maine is the cold, yeah, right? That water never warms cold, up. Yeah. It's like the hottest day of August, and hey, the water's 53 degrees. For, yeah. Yeah. So That's it's cool. like... You know, it might not well, be necessarily the, uh, mm-hmm. I know. you know, it might not be this huge whitewater. Well, I'll tell you, when I went, I, I rode, when I was up in, Nova, I rode my bike through Nova Scotia back in 2005. And when I walked out into, I couldn't believe I walked out onto, it was Port Jolly. And beautiful white sandy beaches, pristine, rolling green hills, and not a soul. I can't believe no one's on the beach. I took one step into that water. And it's like, that's why. I mean, it Freezing numbs, cold, oh, it's so cold. It's painful. It's painful. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. So, I mean, if you fell out of a kayak in that water, yeah. it's, you might, it's like going through the Yeah, ice. you didn't have a dry suit on, it's not going to be long. Oh, man, you know? it's cold. Mm-hmm. It is cold. Start hyperventilating. Yeah. But that's what happens the further, like you were like saying, the further north you go in that ocean, it, it stays cold. Yeah, definitely does. But, like uh, Maine's always cold. I swam in Alaska once. Uh, <laughs> Homer, Alaska. I swam. I was in Alaska. I was in Homer, but I didn't go swimming. <laughs> Just to say, I did it. It was a nice, warm day, right? It wasn't out like on the January. spit. Did you go out there? Uh, we weren't on the spit where we swam, but yeah. it's a it's a long story. But it was down in the bay, Catching Bay. Yeah, out in there. Yeah, I've been so, out there. It's probably a little bit warmer. That's where my friend Al went. He loved it up there. It's gorgeous. In Homer. Really yeah, yeah. pretty. Yeah, and he went. You talked about the spit. Mm-hmm. Yep. The restaurants and stores and stuff out yep. there. Yeah, it's Caught a some really nice fish. You look across the bay and the glaciers are over there. Yeah, in the mountains, stunning. Yeah, best, most pristine. No, that's not the right word. Best view of any outhouse I've ever been in, <laughs> Homer, Alaska, yeah. on the bluff. It was a split door, right? So you could open you the front of the door, oh, the cool. top of the door, like a Dutch door. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dutch yeah. door. Yeah. Uh, anyway, as opposed to a Dutch oven, right? We haven't talked. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so long-winded way of talking about how the perceived danger is often different than the actual danger. 
Yeah. 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 So where where, <laughs> where are we going with this? I, I don't know. I just uh, I always like to bring it up. So, uh, so one of my big things for 2019 is going to be to spend, for me personally, mm-hmm. less time on, say, social media and working on those aspects of marketing for Jack Mountain mm-hmm. and more on things that I can have more control on, right? So more like email, uh, things like that. And I'm just curious. I know that both of you two guys um, are well invested, as am I, in mm-hmm. in the whole idea of social media. Yeah. So, and I know we all know the benefits of what that can do, and I think we discussed that when we talked about your mm-hmm. um, experiences with Fial Raven. And I'm just curious if you guys have ever had negative anything negative occur or as a result of of social media. Um, nothing for me. Nothing drastic. I mean, I've had uh, I've had a couple of trolls. You know, uh, what you're gonna get. I mean, and yeah. I, I don't take it personal, but yeah, I mean, I've not, I haven't had any, I've heard horror stories of yeah. like people's accounts. Well, you, that us. happened to my account yeah. once. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, stolen. My account, I had no control over it. Um, but I eventually got that back. Only thing that happens quite often is, you know, photos are stolen. People will take them, post them on their page as it's their photo. And they did this, whatever it might be mm-hmm. and get credit for it. But it's a, we were talking earlier, it's a small community and usually that gets found out pretty quickly. But nothing, nothing too major, though. As far as downsi- downsides, I would say the biggest thing is just being on your phone. That's the biggest downside. It's being so on your phone a lot. To, time suck. Time suck, yeah, yeah to, get, to be on there and to post photos and advertise what you're doing. I do a lot of stuff for Fjall Raven on there, you know. Like I said, it's a double-edged sword because yeah. uh, if you don't do it, then, you know, you're not advertising what you do and where you're going and all that and the events that you're going to be at. And if you do it, you're on the phone a lot, you know. It's still a phone. Yeah, and I've... I've somehow, I, I was probably, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody, spending too much time on the phone. Yeah. But, uh, and then you sometimes, you know, when you're out, like, today I was ice fishing, it's like, uh, you know, I just didn't really, I po- I think I posted one picture or whatever, but mm. um, I do find myself sometimes, it's like, why am I out here? Am I out here to go fishing or post pictures? Yeah. You know what I mean? So then you kind of back You got to stop yourself and, from being, going outside just to yeah. take photos. So you, I always, I, I'm constantly, constantly questioning my yeah. my motives when it comes to social media and i just do it because i i, I love the tradition i love i like seeing like if you go ice climbing i want to see pictures you mm-hmm. know um but uh and i'm not trying to be like mr negative or mr <laughs> well, like and i'm just yeah. i'm just honestly yes, curious yeah, yeah. because but, I'm, I'm trying to find that space where it's how to be how to operate in that world but not have it own me mm-hmm. it's that's a that's a, i don't know that's a balance up. It's a tough one, for yeah. sure. You, one thing you could do is have somebody else do it for you. But then it's not you doing it, yeah. and it's not you showing what you yeah. want to show exactly. exactly. Yeah. It might not be perceived the way you want to be perceived, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for companies to do that. It, Major companies obviously have to do that. They can't right. do it themselves. But if I ever get to the point where I have to have someone else run my Instagram account, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really see that being a problem. But uh, the, the one thing that does irritate me, I guess, is, uh, is that – when you do a video or when you do a, cause I do a lot of YouTube videos and people just want to drop their two cents. Mm. It's like, you mean like comment wise you mean? Or yeah. Or, hey, why'd you yeah. do it? I get that a lot in YouTube as well. Why you know, did you do this? Or what? It's like, you know, if you don't want to watch a video about mm. fishing or you don't want to watch about building, a, then don't just don't watch the video. I mean, mm. there's a lot of videos I don't want to watch and I don't watch them. Just so I can thumbs down them, so you, or put a comment, negative yeah, comment in you there. Know? Some people. I had a, that. I have a good story about this. Early <laughs> days of YouTube, um, a friend of mine who kind of got me started with all the tech stuff. He was our 
great story here. A little side bit. He, he was the goalie of our college hockey team. Super bright guy. Grew up in Nova Scotia. And after college, uh, he got a master's degree in something. He's wicked. Too smart for his own good, right? So mm-hmm. he was working. Uh, he bought a house in Hooksett, New Hampshire, near Manchester. He... Uh, would uh, he navigated it as such that he could he worked in Boston and he got to where he would only go down once a week and he would telecommute from home and then he got it to where he would go down and take the bus down to Boston once a day every two weeks hmm. and then come home and then we were sitting around having a beer you know talking trash and enjoying each other's company and he says you know I'm just getting tired of living in the states he said I think I'm going to move back to Nova Scotia and I'm like. Well, what are you going to tell your company? He's like, why would I tell them anything? So <laughs> so essentially, he moved back to Nova Scotia yeah. and would fly to Boston one day out two weeks. Hmm. And, you know, he was in like the risk uh, management section of a major bank. I don't remember which yeah. one. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But just the, the humor there was, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Anyway, so he got me hooked up. He came up. We would shoot a few videos. Early, early Jack Mountain. This was like 2008. I think it was right when YouTube started. So we shot a video where I did a hand drill fire. Mm-hmm. Like a, it was a 10-second coal, right? Yeah. The whole video was like 40 seconds start to finish, right? <laughs> so some guy writes this comment like, I didn't watch the whole thing, but... And then writes like a three-paragraph response. A 40-second video. To, to a, like, I didn't watch the whole thing, but... You know, I didn't invest 40 seconds watching the video, but yeah. I'm going to write a 20-minute comment. Was it negative comment? Pretty it much? was just like, you know, <laughs> I didn't, however you did your, I do my my uh, notch differently, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well. Everyone like, does it differently. Who, like, who cares? It's all similar, but. But the idea of just like not being yeah. willing to invest the 40 seconds, but, but having no compunction with, yeah. I'm going to spend a half an hour writing a comment. Yeah. Well, it's just, like when you do a cooking, like if a, if a, if a chef does a cooking video and <coughs> this whole you know spends an all, all day showing you how to cook a particular dish and then so all someone can say is well i usually do it this way yeah rather than you know it's like really they do a video and you show you know but it's i don't get that i don't yeah. get why people have to do that. there's a lot of that on youtube yeah, well, yeah because it's a, you know because it's free anybody mm-hmm. can go in there and yeah. say what they want but yeah my son is a, a big youtuber he has his channel he he really enjoys it yeah it's a lot of fun but you know i take it with a grain of salt yeah you can't be too serious about it you know you can learn a lot of cool things on there it's it's fun it's enjoyable but you just can't take it too seriously or yourself too seriously really you know i know that you don't you have some fun on there some of your videos are hilarious no tim believes everything he says though what's that he believes everything he says (laughs) i like the uh the fahrenheit celsius that's one of my favorites it's the i don't really have a a functioning filter so the, uh, <laughs> yeah. when I have surrounded by enablers who were like, yeah, let's record that. I'm, I'm always like, yeah, sure. That let's sounds like a great idea. But uh, We did delete a couple, though. When we? We were living. Remember, yeah, we, we, we made a couple of videos that we deleted. I deleted. Oh, it was on my channel. Okay. We, a couple of late nights across the street. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. We, we get up the next day. It's like, nah, I'm not posting that. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Because I was supposed to have been at the bingo parlor down at the YMCA, I, yeah, and I didn't was, want anybody finding out that's not where I was. Right. Something like that. <laughs> But anyway. <coughs> yeah, just shenanigans. So I don't know. It, it's the the whole social media thing. It, it it can be very positive if you use it that way. Yeah. You just gotta, I guess, put up with some of the foolishness of it. 
as well. Yeah, and just don't let it bother you and just keep going. So yeah. one of the things that I'm doing this year, working with uh, some of our long-term students, it basically is a business mentor to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want to start schools, they want to start outdoor businesses, mm-hmm. and you know I try to guide them on the best route that they mm-hmm. could take to get there to the yeah. best of my ability. So if you were giving advice, young guy, just starting out, wanting to start out, wanting to make a name for himself, uh, if you had to give him that advice, what would that advice be? I would say just do what you really love and just continue to learn as well because we're always still learning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the skills that we have, but there's always things that we can still learn. So I would say just be true to what you really care about, what you want to learn, and just continue to learn yourself and don't act like you know everything, you know, because yep. nobody does. None of us are real experts. There's still something else to learn, always. Yeah, and like you said it pretty much, but do what you want to do. Yeah, what makes what, you happy. What your you passion know? is. Because if, you, if you're doing something like... I think it would be pretty easy to get burned out doing reviews and demonstrations of products. Yeah, I where couldn't I, do that. <laughs> whereas like, and I do it occasionally, if I'm putting in a doorknob, it's like, ah, do a video. <laughs> Just because I'm doing the doorknob. It's like, I'm not going to specifically go out there and show, show somebody how to install drapes or something, you know, blinds or something like that. But, I wish you would. Yeah, I wish I knew how. But, um, so I mean, but if it's something like I love to fish, I love to hunt, I love to be outside or whatever i love doing those videos so i'm not forcing mm-hmm. myself yeah to do the video but like if so if you're gonna try to make a presence on any kind of social media regardless what the venue is just make sure you're doing what you really want to do yeah, and if you life. are happy about what you're doing then you're like in your case whereas mm-hmm. you're a, you're just a, you're you're out doing your instagram just doing what you normally do and somebody at fail right even said well this guy this this guy's really this is what he wants to do that's why you, mm-hmm. you know, whereas you weren't out like just pretending to be somebody you weren't, let's say. Yeah, and going after these companies looking you for know, yeah, some exactly. kind of sponsorship. You were just like doing that. your own thing and somebody found you. Yeah, you know? that's what made it, you know, work, yeah. I guess, you know, yeah. just doing what I love. And that's continue how, how I do it, you know. I just do what I like to do and I go out with friends and enjoy myself out there a lot as well and teach classes and, you know, talk yeah, to interesting people. It is funny because, like, when um, I've hung out with Micah a couple of times since the Bushcraft show, we went down and did a camp out, and I yeah. met a couple other um, other folks. And it's they're all pretty much everyone's on the same page. It's like you know, just kind of out here to hang out and have a good time, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, really. don't get yourself too worked up about it. You know, people try to go after things; they want all the fame from Instagram or this or that. Because now it's changed quite a bit since five years ago. Now there's you know people that are getting famous from it. Not necessarily in you know in bushcraft, but maybe like in clothes or makeup or something like that. Some of these people make a lot of money yeah, doing well, this, and, and they're and they're driving some, themselves crazy trying to get to that point. Yeah, and the thing is, YouTube now especially is so big. Like I, th- I figure you know maybe a half a percent of the people that are on YouTube are even looking for the stuff that I actually do. So if I got like, it's just so ridiculous how many videos get mm-hmm. uploaded every week and how many people are doing. You know, here's the thing I learned like. I catch a really nice fish on Lake Winnipesaukee and do a video, and the next video down, a guy catches a 40-pound lake trout in Alaska. <laughs> it's like, it, you know what I mean? It's like, it's been done. Yeah. It's like, you're not, you know, every, it's all been done. Everybody, it's just so, don't, you know, don't, don't think you're going to be like the next greatest thing on YouTube. But yeah. there are some exceptions to that. You know, there are some people that just come in and get a million subs. Yeah. I would say, like, your, your original question is, I would just say, just be, be original, do what you love do what you're passionate about 
and it's enjoy it you know enjoy the whole process as much as you can and don't get so worked up about small things you know just keep going yeah and, and yeah exactly yeah yeah i would agree wholeheartedly with that because i think that i think the conversation in many ways has been taken over by vanity metrics mm-hmm. you know people who i'm i'm better than you because i have more likes or subscribers or this or that and yeah, yeah. I, thankfully i think that those metrics i think people get it now that that mm-hmm. none of that matters no, yeah. um but do uh, they have like a ver- vanity sae version because i don't do metrics <laughs> i never got to that it was vanity imperials Kilos and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah Pounds I mean, ounces, hello, rest of the world out there that are on the metric system. <laughs> we here in America, have, we've discovered this thing called the imperial system, and it's time to get on board. Drop that silly metric stuff. No one, like, what's a kilogram? It's, it's Nobody knows. Easy. Metrics are too easy. How big is a yard? <laughs> what's a meter? No one knows. No one cares. A yard is three feet. You know what a foot is? It's the length of your foot. So I can determine that. So rest of the world, time to get on board. Ditch the silly metric system. Yeah, but you're still on the rods and chains method. Yeah. Yeah. Really the Gunter's chain. Yes. That's how Tim figures his distance. That was a, that was a few chains on <coughs> I get it all figured out. Apparently the, the the portage trails in Minnesota are all labeled by how many rods and chains they are. Really? In like yeah. the boundary waters. Wow. Well, Gunter's chain is what, 66 feet? Is it? I thought it was 13 70. paces. Yeah. I, I think it's 66. Know. You should know that. Is it Bob Gunter or Lou? Who, whose chain are we talking? Uh, Arlo. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Arlo Gunter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good stuff, though. If you ever want to do some, I'm sure you're familiar with the rods and chains and all that stuff. A little bit. It's, little it's bit. interesting how the early surveyors of the country or the world, really, how they figured and how close they really got mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. with the equipment they had. Yeah. You know. Like Primitive Gunter, equipment. Yeah. Like a Gunter's chain. It's like, uh, pretty... Pretty impressive. I think so. Uh, well, you, you know, old guy uses the same tools his whole life. He's going to know what he's yeah. doing. And if one guy's doing yeah. the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't screw it up. Right. And this is what we're going by. Right. <laughs> well, what about like George Everest when he discovered, you know, Mount Everest? It's like uh, he nailed it to like within a quarter of an inch. Really? Pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think there's that math there. You didn't huh? like. That is amazing. That is yeah, amazing. there's definitely math. He didn't involved. climb up sure. like with a chain. <laughs> like, oh, right, we got another chain length. Uh, let's uh, keep going up. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of stand back and measure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, like those distance. old guys, they would measure the heights of the mountains. And, and the if you get into it, how far the moon is from the earth and the circumference of the yeah. earth, they did it with like trigonometry. and Yeah. 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 I was not involved in that. No, <laughs> no, no. <coughs> but, yeah. Anything else that's worth, uh, worth discussing here today? Yeah. No, I think we... Cool. Well, um, I think that was all great advice that you guys gave to the mm-hmm. aspiring uh, stars of tomorrow out there. Be yourself. Yeah. Do what you love to do. Don't worry about vanity metrics and, you know, the... But, if le- it's, but learn metrics. Learn learn yeah. metrics, but discard <laughs> the metric system. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So when's your next uh, event, you said? Uh, January... 12th is my next event in New York City, Soho. It's going to be at the Mott Street location. There's two stores in New York City. This one's going to be on Mott Street. The other location is Green Street. This is going to be at Mott Street. Um, And then also on my website, which is ravenwildernessschool.com, I post the events on there on the homepage. Uh, The dates and stuff are all on there um, for upcoming events, whatever else is going on. And... um, yeah, that's about it for events. Uh, we talked about the New England Bushcraft Show, which we're probably going to be in May. 
And they have a website as well, which I think is newenglandbushcraft.org, I believe. Well, well, it'll be in the show notes. So yeah. if you're curious about any of these links, just go back to the blog. Uh, blog.jackmtn.com click the podcast button and you'll find this mm -hmm. is episode 56 and you'll have links to that so you don't have to remember or write any of this stuff down yeah perfect also the global bushcraft symposium as well as the other event that's going to happen 2019 yeah. is in june yeah it'll be in pretty busy may and june huh? yeah yeah for sure <laughs> well that'll be great yep newenglandbushcraft.org well okay. Uh, thank you very much for spending your time uh, with us today. It was Jeff. It was great to have yeah. you. Nice uh, finally meeting you, Tim, for yeah. sure. Uh, great seeing you again. Yeah, you too, Ed, for sure. And uh, yeah, so if you enjoyed this, if you think it's worthwhile, share it with somebody. Give us a give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. But thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you back later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.